You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. All right, we've got a good CarCast episode for you today. I stopped by Nelson Racing Engines and got into all kinds of cool stuff with Tom Nelson about the uh, the wild uh, multiple thousands of horsepower he's building in those, and then um, you know some uh, some some statistics on the uh, on Dodge Challenger and what's going on with Ford Bronco and uh, some changes on on Bronco that you're going to want to hear about before uh, you take delivery of your Bronco. But before we get started, a word from our friends at Dodge. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, but did you know that J.D. Power just ranked Dodge number one for initial quality? And J.D. Power also named the automotive company the best driver appeal for mass market brands. That's number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. It's the first time a domestic automotive brand ran away with both awards in the same year. That's impressive. With enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder these guys are taking the awards. There's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. Welcome to CarCast. I am Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. How are you, buddy? Nice wake-up music. Yeah. My, my engine, my internal engine rolling this morning when it's uh, 36 degrees outside. It's funny because it just seemed like a minute and a half ago, you're like, God, it's hot outside, man. <laughs> it's just, and, uh, and, and Actually, that was 15 minutes ago because they say that if you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes in Texas, and they're not kidding. That's funny. I, like, I went to Seattle once. I visited the guys at Forza Motorsport, and then we drove into the place, and it was sunny. And by the time I got back to the hotel— it was it was like hail and it was freezing. My teeth were chattering, and I got a text from the from Justin at Forge. He's like, "Welcome to Seattle, buddy." Yeah, <laughs> that like, was that was Monday here in Texas, and I said it was eighty six degrees on Sunday. I think yeah. it was, or, and then the next day it was forty. It's funny because so, yes. I was talking to uh, I was talking to somebody, and I was like. I was like, oh, Bill's so excited about this garage he's building. He's going to break ground soon. He's got to do the whole foundation. And somebody goes, he better hurry. The ground's going to freeze. And I go, what do you mean? He's in Texas. Oh, <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. The, it could it could freeze. I was like, I, I don't, I, I never heard that, but I guess so. I don't spend that much time in, uh, in, in Texas to know the difference between all of the weather, but. Well, a little FYI, the next, I don't know, seven to 10 days, the, the lows in the 30s. So, yeah, it's a possibility. Uh, okay. Another wow. obstacle for the Goldberg Garage 2.0. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, we got some uh, some fun stuff to talk about. We uh, I, I, I did this rally, this drive. It was a great mix of cars. I went by uh, uh, Nelson Racing Engines as well to, to stop by and see what's going on with uh, with Tom Nelson. Uh, before we get into that, uh, uh, a quick hit from our friends at Dodge. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, but did you know that J.D. Power just ranked Dodge number one for initial quality? And J.D. Power also named Dodge the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass market brands. So there's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. So see your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. They're winning some awards. 
That's uh, good for them. Well, a hell of a lot of challengers last year, I can tell you that. They did. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get to that at some point. It's amazing. They just keep uh, – they, they literally just keep reinventing the wheel at this point with, with these cars. And and uh, kudos to their marketing, but but we'll get into that some more. I want to get onto this. So this has been an interesting uh, like two weeks. Like we were talking about – I mentioned I think a little while back that – um, you know, for the Lightning, you know, going into the SEMA show last year and the beginning of this year and and I've been working on the deals, getting a few sponsors and buying some parts and just getting everything ready for for that truck for the next phase, doing the engine and stuff on that and the transmission, which you knew was very, very expensive. Uh, but I did talk to the guys at, at Holly and we are going to do a Holly fuel injection system on it. And I... I think I mentioned that I am going to do one of their digital dash units in there and just get rid of all the shit that's in that truck now and not have to deal with that and and all the lights that keep coming on. And get the, rid of the issues, man. Yeah, just get rid arise. of that. It, it, we won't really need any of that. Everything else will work fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe there's a couple little lights on the dash, you, you know, the check engine light and things like that. I, that's going to be removed from that dash. Everything goes to the Holly system and it'll work fine. Uh, but we we did make a commitment that although it is a way out, Holly Ford Fest out at uh, Holly's campus, I believe, and maybe in Bowling Green. Um, it's October of next year. They just finished it up this year, and we are going to bring the truck out there. We're working it out. They want it out there. Um, I, I'd love it's to. It's going to be a top fuel dragster by the time. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting for sure. And uh, and and I am so curious. I know I, I always ask you about this every time we talk. I was like, oh, what about the drag radials? Are they worth putting on there? Should I put the drag radials on there? And and I know you've said it a dozen times. Yes, when it's dry out, the other conditions are fine. But you know, uh, a little moisture in the air and, and it it affects traction for sure but we'll get nitto to throw a set of tires in there just so you can at least try let's I, let's, I, let's we definitely want that. to do that once we get to the horsepower range like I, I it may not even make a difference we could be making you know so much power just rear wheel drive no real weight in the back that it doesn't make a difference you know it's going to be a lot of just testing on like launch control RPM, not like a launch control, like our person, like personally doing it. What RPM to run that thing at, and how to roll into the throttle, and 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 things like that to to see what we can do. But it's going to be an interesting R and D to find out your best all around tire for what you're going to ask it to do. But yeah, and and it'll be fun. It's interesting is because we're going to do the transmission and the engine, and we're going to do the suspension last uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, once we make the power, we want to see what's going on with the tra- with the suspension now, uh, and decide what sort of improvements do we do we put on like a ladder bar, like a long arm setup, or do I just cut those leaf springs off, do a four link panard bar, watts link, something like that. And uh, and just really beef it up with coilovers, which is probably the direction we're going to go. And then the other thing is, is once here's the thing about suspension is, is once we have the truck built and we're doing the aluminum block and the heads and ripping a bunch of weight on the off the front and moving the battery to the back, we want to 
take the truck and put it on the scales and and weigh each corner again because our spring rates now will be much different than than what they currently are. Right now, it rides rough. It, it's terrible. I mean, it's a fun truck, but the ride is terrible. It's 25 years old and it rides like a truck. So a lot of that being a 25-year-old truck. Yeah, right? <laughs> And it's funny because you get into the new trucks and they're so good. And like in a couple of weeks in, in mid-November, I'm going to go drive uh, the new F-150, which is you know sort of the, the latest and greatest as far as, as technology is concerned. Uh, out and we're going to you know we're going to go off road, go on road, tow, do the whole thing. Uh, so spoke to Holly, spoke to Comp Cams. Uh, I gave them some ideas and some specs on the cam, and their engine specialist came back and said, we want to make a couple little adjustments. How do you like this? And uh, we're doing that. We're getting the cam made, custom blower cam, getting the cam all polished and coated with their with their with their best coating before it comes out. That's an option you can do now on all of their cams is flat tap it, roller tap it, whatever the durability testing, kind of like the Micronite coating or whatever you can get done on a rear gear, and a, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which really kind of, it's not, it's not more durable. It just really helps the break-in process. Uh, but for the cams, I think there is some longevity to it. Um, so we're getting all of that done and uh, just made a deal uh, of, to get a very, very expensive set of of uh, fuel injectors from Injector Dynamics and at the uh, – our buddy Ray McClellan over at Full Throttle Customs. I've been picking his brain. He's the guy who's going to be tuning the engines for me. And uh, he said, uh, you know, give the guys over at Johnson's Lifters a call. So the – the the lifters in the engine are from Johnson, and uh, and it, you may not know Johnson lifters, but they actually do make the lifters or had made the lifters for a bunch of other companies over the years for decades. Crane and Comp and all these guys, so they're kind of the guy behind the guy. Um, uh, I can't get over the price of the fuel injectors. <laughs> it's it's yes. it's a. Uh, look, I'm sure you're dealing with this when you're talking to guys at Gearhead. And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we got to step up to like 1050 injectors. That it's a thousand dollars a set, eleven hundred dollars a set just for fuel injectors." Thousand here, yeah. Um, so we got that done, and so and then I wanted to. I had some questions just about building the engine and even painting the engine's aluminum block and. Uh, I, you know, I just want to, and also running the supercharger, there's a lot of talk of, here's one of the issues, a lot of talk of mounting a centrifugal supercharger or even a supercharger on top of the engine, like your twin screw, like your Magnuson or whatever, is how much load it puts on the front of the crank, right? Mm -hmm. And and you can run a cog belt system so that the belt has the teeth on it. So you don't have to stretch the the belt between the supercharger and the crank really, really tight because the grip is from the cog. So you don't have to put as much stress on the front of that crank. But the cog belt doesn't – it's not forgiving. So you can't – it's not very good to run on the street because, you know, you let off the gas or something like that and you want the belt to slip a little bit or if something happens and the, the supercharger seizes up a little bit, you want a little bit of a belt slip uh, as, a, as a margin of safety. But when you run a serpentine belt, 
you you've got to pull it really tight, right? Otherwise, the belt will slip when you get into the high RPM, and then it's either slipping on the engine or the supercharger. So I had some questions like that. I went over to uh, talk to Tom Nelson, Nelson Racing Ooh. Engines, and he, you know he's just building the, the craziest engines over there. Um, a nice guy. Uh, it, very famously, he built David Freiberger's F-bomb Camaro, that military green Camaro. Uh, I don't know, 1,200, 1,500 horse, but whatever it is, crazy. And then later that vehicle was chosen for one of the Fast and Furious movies when it was like in the desert, I think in Mexico, and they were doing the drug running thing and it was doing the wheelies. And of course, they made like a replica and they had to add a bunch of weight to the back and it looked great in the movie and all that stuff. But uh, he very famously built that car years ago. Here on CarCast, we had the car here. Uh, I think Freiberger came in. Uh, no, Tom Tom Nelson, I think, came in. Freiberger wasn't with him. Tom brought the F-bomb Camaro. We kind of picked through the engine and talked what he was, what, all about what he was doing. So what happened was, is a guy like Tom Nelson builds these crazy engines. But the engine is such an important it's it's the centerpiece of the engine compartment as we know and you kind of want to design around it and when you start doing twin turbos you got to really think about intercooling and where do you want it are you doing air to air are you doing uh, liquid to air and how are you packaging it and then do you go back to the engine builder and you say well do we have to redyno it because i'm putting intercoolers here and is it the right size is it getting enough air so he had a lot of sort of let's call it after sales support that he needed to offer. <laughs> and then he realized um, maybe we should start thinking about some of the cars these are going into because guys are bringing the cars and going, hey, can you can you put the engine in? Can you get it set up? And he was doing that. And then the guys were like, well, since you're here, can we work on the suspension? Can we work on this? And then all of a sudden, Nelson Supercars has created as a company as well. And he's got a shop full of cars. He's got a shop full of engines. And by the way, he gave us a sneak peek of an engine. He's building up, basically rebuilding from scratch, a Lamborghini Diablo V12 with twin turbos on it. But he's doing it from the ground up. From the ground up, like custom making pistons, everything. He's just going to make that thing sick. And then he gets the things and he's like, oh, the intake manifold is cool, but it's not going to handle the power, but it looks good. So then he starts doing designs, 3D printing, manifolds, like, oh, I want like a Lamborghini manifold that looks original but flows more. It's 3D printed and then it goes to CNC machines. It gets all like the stuff he's doing there is sick, is just fantastic. So uh, also he- I don't ever want to go by his shop. You will, (laughs) listen, I was walking around and I was was standing on, and he's like, yeah, this is the new big block package and here's the LS package. I go, listen, I I don't, I I don't want to get you excited, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure I know a guy, (laughs) pretty sure I know a guy that's going to want one of these at some point. I don't even know he knows what to put it in yet. But uh, if it doesn't matter, I go. But the the fact in the meantime, it looked really good sitting on an engine stand in, in Goldberg's garage. But he's his alien intake manifolds are one of the things he's known for now. These crazy billet <laughs> manifolds and his mirror image turbos. He has a patent on s- symmetrical turbos, and so you see a lot of his images online. They have his Nelson. Uh, racing engines, turbos on them. They're, I, I believe Turbonetics and Precision 
That whole company builds it for them. So they're fantastic quality turbos, best out there. But they're built to his patented specs, and you can get mirror image turbos. His alien intake manifold can run two set of injectors. It can run 16 injectors on a V8. It runs multiple fuel pressure regulators. You can run two completely independent fuel systems. Oh my so, God. so you can drive down the street, and even in the back of the car, he, he'll build you, let's say, a fuel tank in, let's, whatever, your 69 Camaro. And the fuel tank is split. You can run half of it with pump gas and the half of it with race fuel or E85, and the computer figures it out on, on its own. So at, you're at six pounds of boost. It's at 91 octane. And when you start hitting 10, 12 pounds of boost, it starts feeding in the corn juice. Right? Oh my God. And, and it does it all automatically. <laughs> and uh, he, he built one of the cars that he showed me over there. And he's like, oh, check this out. You're going to love this. I got in there and there's a dial on the dash, like on the center console, just kind of fun. And it just has power output. And it says like 500, 700, 1200, 2500. And you could just flick it and it just, it just changes the calibrations of the entire car. So I'd be like, oh, valet mode is only 580 horsepower and and full race mode's 2500. What's the red key? Oh my God. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool stuff that he's doing there. And then, you know, a thing that he's been working on for for quite some time that uh, I, I think he's going to start putting out there again is he also developed his own engine block and I think heads and uh, and had has them made. So if you do want something even more unique than dart blocks and his crazy intakes and turbos is he has his own designed engine that he's been doing. Now, the reason why this Meaning also... if you have an extra 50 to put on top of the other 50, I, I guess, yeah. Wants. But he's just, he's just cranking out engines. Everything looks fantastic. And, like, I just ask a lot of questions, like, tell me about the cam, tell me about the turbos, tell you about the tuning, tell me how you're doing this. Do you like air-to-air intercooling? Do you like liquid-to-air intercooling? And how much intercooler do I need? And where do you put it? And, and you know, he had a lot of in- advice and, like, the intercooler needs to be, you know, an inch and a, you know, an inch and a half away from the air conditioning condenser and then you know and it, it you wanted a little bit lower and don't cover the whole radiator it's just like so i got a lot of the tidbits that i wanted did you ask him about his opinion on count uh, compound boost by chance oh you know i i i didn't and he hasn't done much of that over there i don't know that I, I I think his thought on it is a little bit like the guys at gearhead so like it's fun and it's kind of a different but n- n- no overall, not enough benefit to to justify the cost and the weight and and whatever. Right now, we know that we know that Gail Banks is doing it because Gail Banks is doing it because he very famously did it in one of his like drag race diesel engine configurations, and it it made sense for what for what he was doing, and he was one of the first kind of to do it. So the idea of compound boost was partly accredited to him anyway uh but listen uh tom nelson said he's making engines up to five thousand horsepower so uh you know with with twin turbo so i don't think he needs it no here's one thing that i walked away with as you guys know that i've been on the 93 cobra i've been 
designing a supercharger bracket to work with an existing front engine accessory thing. I I, I went to um, everybody has very similar kits. I liked the Eddy Motorsports uh, billet front engine accessories kit as a billet front engine cover, uh, timing cover. All of the accessories kind of bolt onto that. Um, and then the supercharger has there's sort of two pulleys. There's the pulley close to the engine that runs all the accessories, air conditioning, water Mm -hmm. pump, alternator. And then out further is the supercharger pulley, Mm -hmm. right? And that's very common on almost every single supercharger kit that you buy, Vortec, Procharger, whatever. And it works fine. It works fine because you're running 8, 10, 12 pounds of boost. You can run an 8-rib, 10-rib, even a 12-rib serpentine belt for a little more traction. Mm. Um, But when you start getting into a big horsepower engine with a lot of boost, Tom brought up an interesting point. He said, look, you don't want to run the cog belt on the street, as we talked about. But when you run that supercharger pulley, which needs that belt needs to be very tight. The further away from the engine you get, the more load you're putting on the front of your crank. So his kits, if you look at his, thank you. If you look at his high horsepower, like he's got a high horsepower uh, LS crate engine with a big Whipple supercharger on it. Not too different than what you're doing on 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 the Mopar engines. Um, his kit has the harmonic damper, it has the balancer from ATI, and they make it with the grooves for a belt on it. And that's the supercharger pulley. So now the supercharger pulley with the most load is right off the crank of the engine. And the accessories, the the alternator, those are the that's the belt that's out further. It makes sense. So it's reversed than what you normally see. And he says it significantly changes the load off of off of the crank because where the crank pops right out of the engine, as you guys know, if you don't, that's where the bearing is. And if all the load is right near that bearing, it's better than pushing it out four, five, <laughs> <Yeah>. six inches <laughs> and, and, and just kind of skewing the whole thing. So as I was uh, uh, thinking about doing the the truck the idea was you know the 302 and the 351 uh slightly different engines a little bit taller deck a little bit wider but the the bolt holes on the cylinder head and the front cover are essentially the same Mm -hmm. so if i get the design done for the supercharger package for the lightning on the 351 I, i can make some adjustments some measurements to 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 shrink it down a little bit to make it work for the Mustang Cobra as well. But mm. now this could be an opportunity for me to to do what Tom was saying, reverse it, move the supercharger closer to the engine. Yeah. Not physically closer. It doesn't matter how far off to the side. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you wanted to run that damn thing underneath the fender of a huge pickup truck and it was four feet away, that's fine, right? As long as it's not protruding Right, forward. because... Because the belt wrap, right, through your idler pulleys, that mm. side loading of that yeah. of that supercharger won't make a difference because the idler pulleys can make that thing go 
straight. Yeah, it's it's about how far away from the front of the engine. You know, if your supercharger pulley is very close to your radiator, that's a lot of load on the crank. If you move it much yeah. closer to the engine, now you, the belt for your uh, for your accessories, right? It, you, your your water pump, your alternator, uh, air conditioning. That usually just has a tensioner with a spring in it. Everybody uses yeah. pretty much the same GM tensioner, and that's fine, right? Mm. Plus, that's on a spring. So when when you let off, you know, if you watch an engine on a dyno with it's full just. accessories, you see that, that thing bouncing yeah. back and forth, and it's constantly just taking pressure off, and it, it relieves pressure off of, off of that belt, where the supercharger pulleys don't normally have that type of tensioner. You have sort of a, you know, like... The tensioner is like a screw down version of it, and it's not meant mm-hmm. to go. So that was kind of interesting. And then I found another thing from ATI, who makes the uh, the balancers, is specifically for the pro chargers, the bigger pro chargers, not the normal P1 SE, but the like D1, F1, A, mm-hmm. is they make a cog belt. If you wanted to do cog belt instead of this solution, you wanted to run cog belt, but you wanted to run cog belt on the street, they make a cog belt blower pulley, right? It's basically a gear that mounts on the supercharger, but inside it has like centrifugal clutches in it. Hmm. So it's it's under load, It's it engages, and then when you let off the gas, kind of like a blow-off valve, it releases and it free spins that. So anytime the supercharger and the engine are not at the same RPM. They're not spinning at the same revolution, like when you're letting off the gas and you're closing the throttle, big, hard deceleration. Mm -hmm. That's what wreaks habit on it. They have a clutched pulley for the supercharger that when you let off the gas and it closes up real quick and they they want to spin at different speeds, it's what would tear the teeth off the cogball. It disengages and it free spins. Which on a deceleration you don't need anyway. Anyway, fantastic stuff out there. I learned a lot. I went home, started googling everything, looking at everything, going, "Oh man, I just want to get this thing right." Here's my here's the point of 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 all of this is we can sit around and we can read as much as we want and flip open the magazines and all the great tech articles and we can bench race all that we want. But before you start pulling the trigger on parts, get your plan together. I love it. Get your fantasy. Get your idea. But before you start pulling the trigger on your parts, talk to one or two guys out there that you know, that you like, that have done this before. Talk to the guys at Nelson Racing Engines. Talk to Gearhead Fabrications and and have them go, oh, yeah, for 20 years I've been, you know, sort of honing my my – my profession to figure out exactly what kind of works and what doesn't work. You know, listen, I I want it just like you, just like all of us, we want to put the engine in there and have it work a few little tuning bugs, but you want to make it work. What you don't want is to bust off the snout of your crank or, or damage your engine. And I don't know how many engines, these guys that have been out there doing it had to blow up or break to figure this out for us. But as long as it's not ours. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but that's why you want to go to these guys and um, and get a little bit of advice from them. So, but here's here's you know overall looking at you know you, your build over the year or however long it's been taking or yeah. my builds. My biggest piece of advice for everyone is to 
once you have a, yes, obviously get a plan, right? And, and do as much due diligence prior to setting that plan in motion, mm -hmm. but get that freaking plan done as soon as possible so that you're not going to want to alter that plan four months down the road because new technology, you know, someone's come up with some better way to do it. Yeah. You know, it's easier said than done, but you know, if you can draw it up and get it done within a couple months, then you're going to save yourself so many, so much heartache because you're going to reduce the chance of you altering your plan along the way. Yeah. If that makes any sense whatsoever. I mean, I'm just talking from experience. Oh, if you, you know? could set a deadline or a goal or in your case, or even my case, a, a debut of some sort, uh, I'd like the idea, although it's a year out, Holly Ford Fest, that truck's got to be done, dialed in, ready to go. And I know yeah. it's a year out and it'll probably be done before that, but but also maybe not because, like you said, I could be waiting for something in the suspension world. You know, here's the thing is, is SEMA show, which is canceled. They're doing virtual SEMA show. That's in a week from now. And I'm kind of waiting going, ah, there's something I want in the suspension world. Exactly. And I'm waiting to see. And then just because it's announced at SEMA, if it is, I don't even know if it exists, they can go, oh yeah, this is going to come out, you know, spring of next year or summer of next year. So I'm setting a deadline for, for Holly Ford Fest for the truck. And I want it done. I want it dialed in. I want it to work well for that event. And I would very much like to have the Mustang Cobra done for that event as well. Like I said, that car is 80, 85% done. And if I can develop the supercharger package the way I want for the truck, it'll go much quicker for that car as well. And I, there, there is a chance that both of those vehicles can show up there at that event, which is good because it'd be nice to have so like, non-running vehicles become running vehicles. <laughs> so like for DraftKings or, or, you know, sites like that, is there an over under on that? I don't, I don't know. I, um, honestly, I don't even know which way I would bet, <laughs> even though it's my project. I don't know which way I would bet. on. <laughs> um, all right, let me do this. Let, let me go for the over. Yeah, let me hit this uh, Geico real quick. Um, oh, man, talking about these car projects that are scary. But you know what's really scary is just seeing how much you could be saving on car insurance by switching to Geico. It's almost as scary as that homemade elf costume your mom made you wear in junior high school. Well, Geico can't erase the memory of tripping down the hallway in those pointy shoes, but they can save you 15% or more on car insurance. So stop waking up at night in a cold sweat wondering what happened to that green onesie. Just switch to Geico and save. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I woke up in a, in a cold sweat last night thinking I was going to be in my Santa Claus outfit here in a month and a half, and I was right. Uh, are you? Well, let's go. You better switch from the goatee to the full beard. I know. I know. And so, yeah. You know that, that period you have where you don't know it? <laughs> when you you're in transition and, you know, the whiskers on your face just drive you nuts. I had to shave at about three o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, I, I got to I'm going to find some yak hair or something and put it on as a beard. I don't oh, know. I'm sure there's plenty of animals around there. Oh, by the way, speaking of animals, this isn't car related. Yes. but This was hilarious. I saw a, a video that Wanda posted and she's like, <laughs> I've got to put the goats to bed. I got to bring them in to go to bed. And we talked about the fainting goat. So here I so you see, got to see 
in real I, life. I see the goat hauling ass. I see Wanda <laughs> chasing after it. And just out of nowhere, your fainting goat just keels over and like like stiffens up like four legs in the air like a cartoon. <laughs> like something out of a cartoon just falls down. And then only for like a couple of seconds. And then oh, it's up seconds. and like is a little delirious. And all of a sudden she's she's got him. And he's like, well, I don't know what happened. But she was chasing me, and now she's hugging me, and it was. I feel so guilty, but it's so hilarious. It is hilarious. I I hope they got like thick skulls. I don't want them to get hurt. But this thing was yes. hauling ass, and then just dropped like a rock, just froze on, on up, the rocks. No, and no. on the rocks, yeah. <laughs> fading goats. I don't know, just hilarious. <laughs> anyway, there's a bit of that, and of course, everybody's laughing. She's laughing. Everybody's laughing. <laughs> I don't know if you shot it or Gage shot it. I don't know who had the camera. No, the I don't phone. know who shot that, but yeah. yeah. But was uh, it was it was hilarious to uh, to see. Um, okay, so you're right. I can shave one of the llamas and use their hair for my beard. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They're easy to. Everyone's easy to catch if they faint. So, um, well, yeah. We don't have any fainting llamas yet, but I'll check into that. Dodge, let's get into this Dodge thing real quick since we teased it a little bit earlier. <laughs> I, I don't know. Kudos to these guys on the marketing. The Dodge Challenger platform has been out since 2008. And Dodge is hinting at the fact that they're not going to, to expect a major change until 2023. We've got three more years of this platform and why is because they keep adding horsepower. They keep doing fun special editions. They keep marketing the hell out of it. Thousand units is why. And they're outselling Camaro as we expected, and Mustang. And and by the way, I don't mean when it came out in last year in 2019. Ninety-seven thousand, just about ninety-seven thousand Challengers were sold. Compared to 48,000 Camaros and 72,000 Mustangs. <laughs> what? I, I, I can't believe that. Listen, I, the 72,000 and the 48,000 are bigger numbers than I thought. Yeah. Right? Uh, but the 97? Oh, my but God. But I didn't think I didn't think they were selling that many Challengers. I really didn't think they were selling that many Challengers. But Kudos to them, but but like you are probably about to allude to, you know, if, if they're going to keep that platform till 2023, I'm very interested to see these packages, these limited packages that they're probably going to come out with over the next year and a half, two years. Um, I don't know, because man. Because if they feel it's viable to keep that platform, they're going to have to do something outside of the box, and I'm I can't wait. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be fantastic. But I don't know, man. Between your projects, your garage, and new cars coming out, you better get in the ring. <laughs> January January first is right around the corner. Yeah, you better. You got to get back in there. You got to start hitting the gym. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm there, man. I'm there again. I'm getting, oh yeah, I'm getting there. Uh, are we going to see you back? We're going to see you back, right? You'll you'll see me back. All right. What capacity, I don't know, but yeah, absolutely, you'll see me back. Well, if you're going to go back and do that, let me know for sure. Well, let us all know, but I got to come out. I got to come out and see that live. I, I Hopefully, there's spectators involved and people can go, but uh, as many times, I will admit this, as many times as I have gone to wrestling over the years, been to a WrestleMania, been to many events, I've never seen you in the ring in person. 
now, it's a very interesting uh, occasion. Now, <laughs> now we've hung out and you've lifted me above your head and, and it felt like I was in the ring with you, but I've never got a chance. You know, but that break, that like 12 year break, like you were saying, as, as Gage was go- growing up, you were out before Gage was, was, was born, I believe. So yeah. he got to see you, you know, in the past few years, but all growing up, he knew about his dad, the wrestler, but never saw it in person. And I don't know that Wanda really had at that point. No, she hadn't either. You know, so and to go and uh, see that in person, if there's an opportunity, I'm going to go and do that. And uh, I will uh, make sure there is a seat for you. I will heckle. I will heckle like all the fans. I know you will. <laughs> the audience has changed throughout the years. I mean, I know I have too, but yeah, it's a, it's a different deal. There, there will be some some heckling and stuff involved. I'll uh, plant you in the audience to at least have one or two people cheering for me. <laughs> Oh my God! The crowd goes nuts when you go out there. Um, anyway, so uh, excited about that. Uh, excited about uh, the conversation with with Tom Nelson. Oh, we talked about the Ram TRX. Uh, we talked about all the fantastic numbers. Everybody's videos and stuff are coming out. Reports are coming out. You know what also came out? Fuel mileage. <laughs> Does that fall in the category of fantastic numbers? Uh, I, it depends on how you look at it. It's. Um, uh, 10 miles per gallon city, 14 highway. That's a lot more than I get in the Demon. 12 combined, 12 combined. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming, just saying, you know. And that's if you keep your foot out of it. Nobody gives a crap about that that buys that truck. It is what it is. I was talking to um one of the guys. I think I forgot who was telling me. I think it was a Motor Trend truck guys, the, the, the truck podcast. And uh, uh, he said that. When they were out there at the event and they were allowed to test the trucks and they were allowed to do just like full on, full throttle laps around the short course dirt track, I think they brought it in and they were getting four miles per gallon. But it was basically just like full throttle the whole time. The jumps, the dirt. Prior or right after the 100 mile an hour jumps they were doing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. So that part is fantastic. I don't know. Is, is 12 miles per gallon average good or bad for 702 horsepower 6350 pound truck on 35 inch tires i'd say it's pretty damn good i don't know like i just drove my truck here and i used a quarter tank of gas in 30 miles you know like i said i think it's pretty damn good and i'm running you know one-fifth the horsepower that i hope to run in that thing so what was the big horsepower uh, raptor uh rated miles per gallon wise when it came out uh, you know that's a good that's a good question. It was, I, I I think it was somewhere around these numbers. Was it? Yeah, I think it was somewhere around these numbers. Um, maybe not not a drastic difference. It might have been like one mile per gallon better. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't that much of a difference. That was one of the one of the things. There was guys that say, "Oh, I bought the Raptor. It's badass, and I drive it every day because it's comfortable and it's fun." And then. You know, twelve months later, like, yeah, it's just it's costing a fortune to drive it every day. And I was like, yeah, maybe you should get something a little. You should have thought about that before. Yeah, a little more uh, uh, drivable. I I guess I don't know, but I guess if we were into that, we were wouldn't be doing a show about cars. We'd be doing a Tesla podcast. I can't wait to see it side by side with these two trucks. Well, this the side by side of the existing Raptor and the TRX are already out there. Somebody's already doing it. I don't know if it was Motor Trend or Car and Driver or somebody. And it, it's fun. It's just it's just kind of the fun article that you would expect. 
But every time that gets mentioned, you see another spy shot of the upcoming Raptor with the GT500 engine in it. But I love this competitiveness of it. It's awesome. It does nothing but breed more cool stuff out there in the market for guys like you and me and everyone else. Now, the thing that uh, I will attribute to a company like Tesla is the idea of doing like pre-sales and doing orders on cars and 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 taking deposits. Not really widespread in the car world. Tesla kind of made it a thing. I made fun of them a lot for joking and going, "Well, you're just trying to fund the next project to pay for this project," and and uh, as I do, a lot of but, times you're right. That being said. We had mentioned in the past few weeks that Ford had 100,000 orders for the new Bronco. A recent interview with Ford marketing team, they said, we have 190,000 orders. Now, think about this. The Bronco is a specialty niche vehicle, the same way that Camaro, Mustang, and Challenge are in, in that respect. And we're saying Challenger is amazing at 97,000 sales last year. And and Camaro at 48,000. Mustang is a platform that's not going to go away anytime soon. That's 72,000. That's successful. Doesn't compare to the 190. 190. Now, they're not going to do 190 a year. But talk about validation, a benchmark of validation for Ford. Oh, yeah. 190 is great, right? I want to see what the Hummer pre-sale is going to be. It's already sold out, but that was meant to be limited, right? I don't think they. I don't think they meant. Damn, he had to freeze up right when I asked him. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it's already sold out. I I don't think it was a limited run in the beginning. Yeah, it was a limited run. Now Bronco had like the launch edition or first edition or whatever it was, and there was a limited. Yeah, but they also had orders on top of it. Right, right. So. The Hummer, I think right now, there's only one version that they were selling, like the fully loaded full Pretty version, smart. right? And, and it's, it's sold out. And it's there. Didn't they have a thousand of them? I don't remember what the number was because when you say that, that was the horsepower. And I don't know if it's the horsepower or the quantity but, you know, or both. Maybe it was both. Maybe it was a fun play for them to go, yeah. oh, we're going to make a thousand, a thousand horsepower. Um, See, that's another way of, that's just another mode of operandi. If they only have one category, the big honcho, and they're limiting the number of of orders to be taken to uh, you know a number such as a thousand. Then you know it's kind of a bait and switch, possibly. Yes. So, sorry, drinking, drinking, trying to drink. Um, also, news on the Bronco is all the great photos that came out on that thing had the very cool sort of. A see-through doors with the hole in it, the donut door, as as people seem to be calling it, or Ford was calling it. It looks badass, but but as we sort of suspected, that's that's no fly, that's no go on uh, on from the factory. That's just not going to the safety specs and the whole thing is just not going to work. And because it's see-through, maybe if it wasn't completely. Like if it was see through, but not a hole. Like, because uh, I'm thinking, like McLaren 720s, I think has a. Oh no, it's, it's Senna does. Maybe the S has something on the door, an option. But it, it's a, you know, it's glass, 
right? So you can <laughs> see through it, but there's a section of it. But the whole pass-through, that's a no-go when it comes to safety. Uh, mm. So that's not going to happen. Now, of course, the aftermarket is going to be all over that. So don't worry about it. You're going to be able to get it if you want. I don't know what Ford's plan is, but I imagine there's some leeway of Ford from the factory couldn't sell you that door, but the Ford performance catalog might be able to. Insurance. And, yes. And what that means is, I'm speculating here, if Ford sells the door aftermarket, you could go to your Ford dealer, you can buy your Bronco, and before you even take it home, have Galpin Autosports or have any parts division of your Ford dealer put the door on for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it would basically be a post-title modification, yeah. right? Now that you own it. From an authorized dealer. Yeah. So if, if Ford sells it that way, if Ford doesn't offer it and the aftermarket offers it, then you could still do it, but now now you're figuring it out with your with your Ford dealer or any aftermarket company or four-wheel parts or Galpin Auto Sports, and you can go to them and go, I put the doors on there. I want the cool doors on there. Or I want the option. I want the both doors. And, you know, so anyway, just a There's little bit of a There's something else going on with the, with, the, with the molded roof also. Um, I think on the launch edition and the wild track. Yeah. Uh, well, a, fr- a friend of mine got an email about that. So, uh, and it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. There was a this is the thing about rolling these these cars out and I listen, I I credit the car companies now like for doing what Ford is doing and saying we launch the idea of this truck, we show you the videos, we show you the, you know, the renderings, we show you the photos. And then we start talking to you. We get on the forums with you or we watch the forums, we get on Reddit, we you know, we're seeing social media and seeing what you like, what you don't like. And it turns out two-thirds of the orders are the four-door Bronco versus one-third mm-hmm. for the for the, for the the two-door Bronco. And most of them are the bigger engine and the automatic transmission. Not a lot of buy-in for the smaller engine. I think it's two-liter. And then the small engine is the only engine available with a manual transmission. So mm-hmm. of the small engine sales... Only about ten percent are also ordering it with the manual. Wow! Which is interesting, though, because they're saying that's a successful number. So if if there's one hundred ninety thousand pre-orders, and let's say there was twenty thousand orders with the small engine, a couple hundred. There's there's two thousand manual transmission ones, but when when you get into cars like. I don't know, like I think Honda Civic had a manual option and they talked about it and they still have it. Only 2% of the buyers are wow. are getting it with the the engine that it's available with. And well, look so, at so what, the, what the owners manuals. are going to ask the vehicle to do. Yeah. I mean. Now that's interesting because I'm curious to know in in, let's say, like Porsche's world, how many manual 911s do they sell? Or, or or Caymans or Boxers or whatever versus uh, PDKs, right? We know there's a ton of PDKs, and the transmission is the best automatic transmission out there. But I'm curious to know what what that rate is. I'm sure it's researchable, so we can figure that out at some point. But um, 
Anyway, uh, we're kind of running out of time, but before we wrap it up, I just want to say this other thing about this this partnership we've been a fan of between Mercedes-Benz or Daimler, which is the parent, uh, the Mercedes-Benz arm, and Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. We know that Aston Martin had a partnership with AMG, gets their V8 engines, gets a lot of their technology from them, and... Mercedes had owned a small stake in the company, about 2.6%. Now, they've agreed to take as much as 20% now investment into Aston Martin. And this is going to come in the way of a combination of of cash and technology and hybrid technologies and electric valve train. Um, but I'll tell you what I'm hoping for the most. First of all, the total deal worth just under $328 million dollars. Good. I love this idea. And the boss, the former boss of AMG is the CEO of Aston Martin. So we love this relationship and what he's doing for that company. However, when you get into an Aston Martin, the infotainment system that's in it is from AMG. It's from Mercedes-Benz. Okay, that's fine. Except their current agreement is you can't have the latest version. You've got to have you know the three-year-old, five-year-old antiquated version of that. So I'm hoping that this 20% stake that they're going to have in Aston Martin would please, for the love of God, give them the most modern infotainment systems. Absolutely. You know, uh, to like the new Aston Martin SUV, the DBX that's coming out, has a, like a five-year-old infotainment system in it that they're getting from, you know, come on. Let's, let's, here's the problem is it's the most used thing when you get into a vehicle. When you're <laughs> daily driving a vehicle, you need that to come, to come up. Whether you're just listening to the radio or navigating or CarPlay or Android or, or whatever. The entire interface, just trying to figure it out. Just... Yeah. Come on, guys. Let's just give them the, the newest stuff, please. Like, I know there was a little concern with her. Like, well, it, the technology, the infotainment system is such a big selling point. We don't want any Aston Martins to pull sales away from the AMG cars, AMG GT, and now the SUVs. And I'm saying, well, if you're going to own 20% of them, who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're getting some of that back in your pocket anyway. So why not? You know, why not share the love on that stuff? Um, Didn't they have an engine relationship that was running out? Yes, but I I think they're good on that. I I think because uh, Aston Martin is developing their their 12s. AMG was developing the 8s, the twin turbo 8s. And then I think Aston is doing their own in-house engine again. So they might be working on, on that. Uh, we talked about it before, but I forgot what the specs were on that. But it doesn't mean there isn't still a technology share going yeah. on between those two companies. Uh, and I think there's room for it. It's not like Aston Martin is selling 200,000 cars a year, right? You know, it's oh, not no really – no question there's room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those those companies can can play well together. Plus, we're seeing so much of that, right? Toyota and BMW and Subaru and, and, and you know, everybody's sort of – playing well together as a matter of fact i'm i'm pretty sure our 10-speed transmission that we have in ford and gm was a shared development you know uh, some other company makes it but it's the same transmission different specs but 
you know, they pooled yeah. in together to get that done. But anyway, let me hit this uh, from our friends at Avery Dennison. So back in the day, you know, Henry Ford said, you can have your car in any color you want as long as it's black. Oh, it fits right in your wheelhouse, Bill. Yes, it does. <laughs> Well, uh, good thing. Times have changed. Now you can have any color, finish, and texture you want with Avery Dennison Supreme Wrapping Film. So can you imagine? Uh, oh, imagine back then a Model T, but with a color-shifting change wrap. That would have turned heads back then. I'm thinking of the uh, Mystic Chrome paint from the uh, Mustang Cobra. Like, uh, was it 03, 04? The Mystic Chrome all you got to do is visit AveryDennison.com slash color to try their car wrap visualizer and see uh, how you can make your car stand out in a crowd. It's fine. Even sometimes you order, let's say, a gunmetal black launch edition TRX, and then you get it wrapped in black, <laughs> two shades darker. <laughs> or just the hood and the, uh, the tunnel cover. Just the hood and the tunnel cover. Who knows? But uh, all right, let's, uh, let's wrap things up. Let's see. As I'm reading through all this news, I think I got everything. Yeah, I think I got everything. Chris is saying we got everything. <laughs> uh, what's going on? Anything else new with you? Breaking ground on the garage. The ground is freezing. Goats are yeah. fainting. Yeah, yeah. We're. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't even know where. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a cornucopia of crap going on here in about a week. We'll be breaking ground, and uh, it's finally going to happen. Well, good. That's exciting. I can't wait to check it out. Chris is ready to design your podcast studio. I've been waiting. Let's go. Hey, the, room, the room is already designed, <laughs> but everything within its walls will be designed by Chris. Please, dear God. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you the good uh, good equipment in there. and uh, He's going to have to call in some favors, Chris. Call I know. in some favors. Uh, all right, guys. We're going to wrap things up. Until next time, we're going to have fun. Oh, next week, I don't know if we're having Alistair Weaver come in from next week or – we're going to have the NHRA champion. I'm trying to figure that out. But here's the thing is, is uh, I think it's the Schumacher team, uh, the guys that are running the Dodge cars, they're first, second, third in points. So whoever wins, <laughs> we, we can get them in here on the show. So let me set that up. We'll, we'll chat with them for a few minutes as well. And also the current state of NHRA drag racing. Purses are going down. The winnings are going down. It's all the politics that are happening. Getting people are getting more outspoken about it. John Force isn't even racing. You know, there's there's things going on. The weird deal. It is a weird deal. Uh, All right, so we'll get into that. Thanks, guys. Until next week, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. As we said, next week, uh, uh, more fun stuff on the show. And uh, Friday, Adam and I will talk to you about some more cool car stuff. But uh, 
Uh, just a word from our friends at Geico again. Uh, you know, it's really scary. It's just seeing how much you could be saving on car insurance by switching to Geico. Almost as scary as that homemade elf costume your mom made you wear in junior high school. Well, Geico can't erase the memory of tripping down the hallway in those pointy shoes, but they can save you 15% or more on car insurance. So stop waking up at night in a cold sweat wondering what happened to that green onesie. Just switch to Geico and save. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 